This is B2B Radio featuring Mr. Biz, sponsored by Capital Plus. Over the next half hour, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth, a two-time national best-selling author and leading business advisor, will cover topics that help business owners operate their businesses more profitably and more efficiently. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, this program is for you. And now, here's Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. Hello, hello. Welcome to another show, another episode, I should say, of B2B Radio, brought to you by Capital Plus. Capital Plus helps you unlock your capital and unleash your business potential. They create customized customized financial solutions for growing businesses nationwide. All right, guys. So the, uh, the good news is we're going to cover in this show um, five different topics um, that I think everyone will enjoy. Um, we're going to cover things talking about uh, budget. We're going to talk about efficiency. We're going to talk about cash flow. We're going to talk about motivation. And finally, we're going to talk about hiring. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is you're stuck with me for all of these topics. Uh, so this is going to be an Ask Mr. Biz show um, where I've accumulated several questions, uh, listener questions over the last, uh, I guess, probably six or eight weeks or so. Um, we usually try to do one of these every other month or so. Um, especially as we get questions that pop up that are common and we've heard more than once, um, we'll try to bring those on the air and answer them and have them, uh, recorded and on a show for everyone's future listening pleasure. Um, so, so without, uh, further ado, let's, let's dive right in here. Um, so uh, it's funny, two of these tips, um, (laughs) they're asking for my number one tip on fill in the blank. Uh, so this one is. Uh, Mr. Biz is from Jamie in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, uh, Mr. Biz, what is your number one e- efficiency improvement to use for a small business owner? All right. So I could probably do three shows uh, just talking about this one, but uh, in the interest of brevity and to try to get through everything um, this show, there's a couple of different things that I think are very important to consider that uh, I try to give you an answer, some answers here that aren't necessarily just you know by the book or what you hear everywhere else. And so two things I will mention to do there. So I'm going to give you kind of one A and one B uh, that hopefully are things you wouldn't have thought of previously. Number one is if you're uh, if you don't have any administrative help, um, you're a business owner, you're wearing a lot of different hats. If you don't have anyone helping you with some of the administrative things, for sure, consider hiring an assistant. Now, it doesn't have to be a full time assistant. It could be um, it could be a virtual assistant where you only are paying for what you use, and the reason why this is so important and helps your efficiency so much is that as a small business owner wearing so many different hats, I know myself uh, before I got an assistant, I I fought it and I wanted to do everything myself, and it just got to be where I when I really sat back and evaluated where I was spending my time how much of my time was spent on what I call non-revenue-producing activities, non-RPAs. And that number was creeping up higher and higher and higher and higher. Um, Well, I want to have revenue-producing activities, right? Optimally, you would be doing 100% revenue-producing activities. Unfortunately, that's not really, for most most folks, almost almost all folks, I should say, not really a realistic uh, goal. However, you should keep that as high as you possibly can. And so some folks would say to me, well, I can't afford an assistant. And my response to that is, um, I, let me explain to you how more than likely you can. So if you take those, those non-revenue producing activity or that non-revenue producing time that you're spending on administrative things, you hire someone 
an administrative person to help you with those. So you offload them, right? Someone else is handling them. That time you save, if you switch that into RPA time, revenue producing activity time, you will see very, very quickly that that administrative help will pay for itself and likely in a multiple in a very short period of time. Um, if you Now, if you hire that administrative assistant and then you sit back and watch uh, TV and get hooked on Netflix or something, then it's not, right? It's not going to pay for anything. But if you shift that activity into more RPAs, it will pay for itself very, very quickly because you can get administrative help relatively inexpensively. Now, uh, real quick on that because, again, this, uh, this these topics sort of pile on top of each other, but um, I do want to mention this. You can get an administrative assistant, a virtual assistant, uh, very, very inexpensively. Um, but I, here's a couple things I will mention to you. Make sure, um, if it's important to you, that they are they they speak your language fluently, or if they're going to be dealing with your customers, talking with your customers, that they speak whatever language you want them to speak fluently. Um, uh, you can get a very inexpensive, for example, you get a very inexpensive virtual assistant that's based, let's say, in the Philippines. They're if they're just doing sort of back office work, and they might work just fine. Um, if you want them to speak with customers on a regular basis, um, field phone calls, things like that. It might not work as well if they're if you're English based if if their English isn't strong. You'll pay a little bit more, but if you need that, look for a U.S. based uh, virtual assistant. Um, all right. So and and by the way, uh, folks ask me this, and I will f- admit fully that they they are an advertiser on the show, but I definitely highly recommend them. It's where I get my assistant. I got my assistant from my virtual assistant, and that is check off your list. Um, go and check them out. Uh, check off your list.com. They, they not only do virtual assistant stuff, but they do tons of other things that would, again, a lot of administrative things, bookkeeping, invoicing, all, I mean, all sorts of different things. Go check them out. Um, highly, highly recommend them. The other thing I'll mention, and I'm already getting long winded to try to cover all these topics in one show, but, uh, the other efficiency thing is that often gets overlooked is ask your employees, um, and ask a, a simple open-ended question. Um, something like, uh, if you ran the company for a day, what would you do differently? Now, you're going to get some whining, for sure, um, but you're also going to get some good ideas. And it all, it will, it, you're not in the front lines more than likely anymore, and they're seeing things every day. Um, and so all positions in the company can help you with things like this because, again, you're not, hopefully not in the trenches as much as you used to be. And so things may have changed and they may have good ideas and just haven't been asked and maybe they're you know, sort of passive introvert and hadn't, hadn't mentioned them. It boosts morale as well. So they'll see that you trust them and that you actually value their opinion. Make sure that you, you know, it helps you address any issues you might not know about. Um, and then, you know, people like to work where they're appreciated. So again, um, but the, the key part of that is always respond positively. Um, unless it's whining, you can say, hey, you know what, I'm not, I don't want to hear whining. I don't want to hear that, you know, Bob down the hallway is a big pain in the butt. You should get rid of him to improve efficiency. We're not looking for those, but, um, always respond positively. Even if it's an idea you don't think you're going to implement, Hey, you know what? Thanks a lot for the feedback. We'll definitely take that into consideration. Um, there's a lot of other things going on that we'll have to see if that'll work. Um, so don't lead them on that you're going to implement it and not because that'll be frustrating as well. But those are, those are two. 1A and 1B that hopefully a little bit outside of the box as far as improving efficiency. Um, and I'm going to jump into this one and we'll finish it after the break. But um, people uh, I've got a question here from Bob in Atlanta. And I always wonder why no one puts their last name, by the way. But anyway, uh, Bob in Atlanta is asking me, and it's a common question, 
how much should I be spending on marketing? And um, some of you have probably heard me talk about this before, but uh, this is a whole long one, but I'll try to keep it uh, brief, especially for those who have heard me talk about this before. But typically what I recommend is companies spend between 2 and 8% of their revenue. In short bursts, you can spend between 9 and 15% of your annual revenue. Usually those would be things like you've got a new product launch, you've opened a new location maybe, um, something like that. You're trying to see some market share, take advantage of it, some opportunities. But typically in the 2 to 8% of revenue is where we're looking to be uh, for that. And you should expect a 3x return on that spend. So, And actually, this one was planned. The Mr. Biz Tip of the Week ties into this. So we're going to come back after the break and talk about that. And I'll dive a little bit more into that marketing spend and explain a little bit more. And then we're going to talk about the other um, uh, three topics we're going to talk about um, to ask Mr. Biz. So come back after the break on B2B Radio. Business owners have a continually growing to-do list with little time for revenue-producing activities. With Check Off Your List and their experienced team of virtual assistants, you can focus on growing your business. Visit checkoffyourlist.com to learn how Check Off Your List's skilled team can handle your day-to-day tasks like social media, bookkeeping, calendar maintenance, and much more. Contact Check Off Your List at checkoffyourlist.com or call 888-262-1249 to see how their virtual assistants can help you live to work rather than work to live. Thank you for being a Mr. Biz Solutions subscriber and listening to B2B Radio. Would you like to have your business highlighted in this spot? You can reach our entire subscriber base, all of Mr. Biz Nation, every week and archive for future listeners. We can record your very own spot to highlight your business, and you can also use it anywhere else you want, including your website or social media. If you are interested, please email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Don't hesitate, because there are limited spots available. To submit questions to the show, email them to info at MrBizSolutions.com. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right. Welcome back to B2B Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And we are BB Radio, brought to you by Capital Plus. They remove the hassles of balancing cash flow by becoming your full-service credit and collections department. All right. So the Mr. Biz tip of the week this week is, if you cannot see a measurable 300% or more return on investment, ROI, on your marketing spend, you should change your marketing plan or fire your marketer. And that sounds a little harsh, but I mean that to you, Mr. Mrs. Biz owner, because you might be your own marketer and you might not be doing a very good job of it. You might need to fire yourself from that job. Um, so definitely consider that. So you should expect a 3x return on that marketing spend. And so as we, as I mentioned uh, right before the break, um, that's what I recommend, 2 to 8% of annual revenue. Whatever you do, don't go below 2%, even in the leanest of times, unless you really, really are getting to the point where you know uh, you're can't you got to let people go or something of course um you want to try to avoid that at all costs um but it should be one of the last uh expenses you try to cut because if you get below two percent what happens is it ends up being detrimental because you dry up your revenue pipeline right people are you're not marketing to people they don't know you're in business anymore especially if that's happening during a down down tick in the economy they may think you've gone out of business, et cetera, if all of a sudden you were spending 8% and now you're down to not spending anything, right? It seems as though you've disappeared. And so you want to make sure you're very cognizant of that and make sure you're still getting your message out there, um, even in, in some lean times there, really um, look to keep that at, at least at 2%. Um, all right, I think that's uh, that on marketing spend. Uh, the next question comes to us from Alan A., 
So he at least gave us a, a last initial. Um, Alan A. Alan with one L and an A, by the way, A-L-A-N. Um, and he's asking uh, simply, why do I need a budget? Uh, and again, this is one of those topics, as you could guess, I could probably talk about for days um, because I'm such a huge proponent of budgeting. Uh, budgeting is one of the three, I've got three pillars uh, uh, that I like to, for financial success, um, cash flow, pricing, and budgeting. And so budgeting is so, so important. And, uh, you know, again, to try to keep this as, as brief as possible and not spend the whole show talking about budgeting, which I could easily do. Um, the big thing about budgeting is it, it creates, it's, it's, it's not like a diet, right? It doesn't mean you're, it's just, uh, cutting expenses and things like that and, and, and cracking the whip on sales. It gives you a plan, right? So you make your annual revenue goal. That's how we start every budget. What's the annual revenue goal? And then we work backwards from there, from the annual revenue goal, we can determine what our cost of goods sold should be, you know, making sure we're at the gross margins we, we're looking for. And then from there, what are your administrative and overhead expenses and, and how can we manage those? And especially things like we just talked about marketing. If our uh, revenue is going up and we want to stay at that, let's call it 4% of annual revenue, we're going to spend more on, on marketing. Um, but the other thing that a budget does, and so and you put your, you bake in if you have any seasonality in your business. So if you have different periods of the year where it's, you're more busy, you have, you're getting more revenue than other parts, you have to make sure you bake that into your budget. And that way you can see at any given time during the year, are you trending where you need to be trending towards to reach your, your goals for the year? Um, and that way you can adjust. Um, and you don't have to wait three or four months and say, oh my gosh, we're way behind on revenue. How are we going to make this up? Um, you know every single month where, where you head or behind and why. You can figure it out. Um, accentuate the things that are going well. And fix the things that might be you're, maybe you're behind on. It gives that uh, element of, of accountability. Don't just make a budget and forget it. You've got to make sure you're measuring against it every single month. Um, so thanks for that question, Alan. Uh, the next question is, again, this is a no, number one. Um, and <laughs> Mr. Biz, Mr. Cashflow Pro, I'm not sure what I should call you, but what is your number one cashflow tip? Uh, tough one to, to call there. You know, obviously, a lot of times it depends on the business. But what I'll what I'll say is the, the main thing you want to do with cash flow is you want to shorten what I like to call is your payable receivable cycle. And that is the time period between when you have to pay for the labor materials, et cetera, for whatever you're producing, the product or service you're producing, and when you actually receive revenue for it. So you want to try to shorten that cycle up as much as possible. And one way to do that um, very quickly and, and frankly pretty easily is the use of credit cards. So two on two two fronts there. First of all, if you don't accept credit cards already, you have to accept credit cards. Um, don't balk at the two or three percent you've got to pay um, in processing fees. It ends up being very minimal um, in the long run, especially compared to think about it. Eliminates collections um, because you don't have to go chasing people around. Or if you have someone who typically pays you with a check and they're behind, you might be able to call them and get a credit card payment immediately. And so um, it'll often pay for itself very quickly with that. And again, if you're a business owner and you're you're the salesperson and you're running around doing what I call check chasing, right? You've got someone who owes you and they're behind on, on paying you and they call and say, hey, I've got your check. Or you call them and say, hey, you know, kind of need that money. And they say, oh, well, we're going to drop that in the mail. And you say, you know what? I'll come and pick it up. Don't put it in the mail. Well, that time you spend is non-revenue producing activity, right? It's non-RPA time. Um, driving back and forth, having a conversation, quick small talk while you pick up the check so it's not awkward. 
um, and the awkwardness of it, right? So accepting credit card just eliminates all that. And, and the other thing is, think about that, what I just mentioned, shortening that payable receivable cycle. You get your money, you know, depending on how quickly your bank or your your processing company, you know, within one or two days, it's in, in your in your business checking account um, when you make a sale. So it's no waiting, you know, a week or no, even three or four days for a check to come in the mail and then it gets in and you got to open the mail and uh, you sign the checks and you deposit them, all that kind of stuff um, and eliminates all that. And then the other part is using a credit card, which is um, get a business credit card, find one that's got rewards, especially. And we'll talk about that in a second, but um, pay your bills. So if you get a net 30 bill, pay it on day 29. So you're still paying it within, you know, terms and pay for it with a with a business credit card. And then depending on your billing cycle, think about it. When you pay for that, you've paid the bill, you've satisfied your vendor. However, you haven't actually laid out any cash, right, cash flow um, out of your own checking account. And depending on your billing cycle for your business credit card, it may be 30 to 45 days before you have to actually pay for that, lay the cash out to pay for that credit card. Now, a couple huge caveats. I'm not suggesting to run up a huge credit card debt. As a matter of fact, I'm in, I'm, what I'm suggesting is you should be paying off that balance every month. So you got to make sure you're monitoring that and you're using it responsibly. Um, if you end up carrying a balance and paying um, interest fees and things like that, it ends up sort of defeating the purpose um, to a large extent. The other big, huge bonus part of that is, um, so not only, so think about that. You buy, let's say, raw materials to make a widget on day one. You pay for them with a business credit card on day 29, and then you have another 30 to 45 days before you actually lay out the cash. So you've had that raw material, made that widget, uh, and it's 60 to 75 days before you've actually had to lay the cash out for it. Now, hopefully, depending on your how long your sales cycle is, you've already made the widget and sold it and have the cash you know, from their sale in your, in your checking account. So that's a way, sure, to shorten that payable receivable cycle. The bonus on that is what I mentioned is getting a card that has rewards on it. So um, there are plenty of cards out there that will give you uh, rewards on and cash back, et cetera. Um, a lot of them, I know there's one out there in particular uh, that will give you 2% cash back, unlimited. Um, and think about that. I've got a client, um, I've mentioned this story before, but um, he's got a small construction company, spends about $400,000 a year in materials. And that alone, as you can do the quick math, 2% is $8,000 of free money. And again, he carries no balance. The card has no annual fee, et cetera. So uh, very, very powerful there. So those... Uh, using a credit card to help that shorten that payable receivable cycle is my number one cash flow tip. And I don't, that can apply to any type of business as well. So definitely make sure you're taking advantage of that. All right. We've got two more things to get through in the last segment. And uh, we've got yeah, two more questions. So we'll get through those and, and come back after the break on B2B Radio. Are you frustrated with trying to grow your business? You're not alone because the business growth experts at TriTraction are here to help. TriTraction's proven business systems, marketing, and sales formula has helped many businesses like yours achieve amazing results. Could your company benefit from explosive sales growth and a huge jump in website traffic? Call 800-719-4281 today for a free consultation with the business growth experts at TriTraction. That's 800-719-4281. Systems plus marketing plus sales equals business growth. Thank you for being a Mr. Biz Solutions subscriber and listening to B2B Radio. Would you like to have your business highlighted in this spot? You can reach our entire subscriber base, all of Mr. Biz Nation, every week and archive for future listeners. We can record your very own spot to highlight your business, and you can also use it anywhere else you want, including your website or social media. 
you are interested, please email us at info at MrBizSolutions.com. Don't hesitate, because there are limited spots available. Check out both of Mr. Biz's national best-selling books, Pathway to Profits, and How to Be a Cash Flow Pro on Amazon. Now, once again, here's Mr. Biz. All right. Welcome back to BB Radio with me, Mr. Biz, Ken Wentworth. And I was uh, negligent in my um, uh, hurriedness getting through the end of the segment there to thank Sarah. Sarah actually sent in that last question about my number one uh, cash flow tip. So thank you, Sarah, for sending in the question. By the way, love to get questions from you guys. Don't ever hesitate. You can tweet them to us at Mr. Biz Tweets. Um, you can send them to us, info at MrBizSolutions.com. Love to get the questions. And again, we'll, uh, I, I guarantee you I'll answer every question I get, whether we answer it on the show, whether I resp- respond back to your email specifically. Um, but we'll make sure we get you an answer and help you any way we can. Um, and that leads me to our next question, and that is, um, you always seem so upbeat. How do you stay motivated? Um, and it's actually, it's like a paragraph long. I'm kind of, uh, paraphrasing a bit. And that comes to us from Amanda in San Francisco. So, uh, we had a little time change there. We're about three hours different for them, but, uh, appreciate you listening, Amanda. Um, so how to stay motivated. So, uh, an interesting one. I honestly, I think I'm, uh, very blessed in that, um, I'm just, it's sort of the way I'm wired. But how to not, you know, if you're, you don't feel like you are wired that way, and maybe Amanda doesn't, that's why she's asking the question. Here's a couple of things that I do to try to, you know, keep me on par. And I, I hadn't really thought about it until I actually got the question. You know, what are the things that I do that I think help, you know, keep me motivated and keep me going and really excited and energized about everything? And, you know, I set goals. And I know everyone says, you know, well, gee, duh, that's no, you know, uh, it's not uh, rocket science there. Everyone says, tells you to set goals. But, so I'll set goals that are, you know, not only for the year. So let's say an annual goal. So in this case, we're in 2019. You know, I've got 2019 goals. Then I break those goals down to in each quarter, what do I need to do? And then each month and then each week and then each day. And um, I think that's an important thing because, uh, you know, people, you talk about New Year's resolutions. People set resolutions. They set goals for the year and then they, they forget about them. They say, well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then they never really monitor where they're at at any given point in time to see, am I going to get there, right? Just like we talked about, I talked about earlier with a budget, you know, it holds you accountable. You got to make sure you're looking at it every single month, though, to make sure that you are trending towards where you want. So for example, I have uh, have a goal for Mr. Biz Solutions on how many subscribers we're going to have for the year um, and how, so we can reach more people. And I know where I need to be every single month. And so I break that down by, by week. How many, you know, subscribers do I need to have each, um, uh, each week? And then, you know, obviously you can do the math and figure out by day. And so if three days go by and we haven't, you know, we've lost two people that have fallen off and, um, canceled their membership, let's say, and we've brought no one on. Well, I'm minus three now. So, you know, I'm probably going to be behind the goal, but I monitor those on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, this is going to tie in three of these questions just unknowingly. Um, my virtual assistant helps me with that. So I turned a lot of this over to her. So I'll get reports on a regular basis that are, you know, KPIs for me, key performance indicators on how I'm trending versus things, including budget. I mean, I even track my own budget, right, to make sure I'm staying on on course with, um, you know, what I'm spending on my marketing. Jeez, I tie another one of these questions together. Uh, I guess these are all key topics, but 
So that is one of those things I think if you set those goals, you break them down, and then you, of course, monitor and hold yourself accountable, which leads me to another thing is one of the things I love to do is when I have a big goal, um, I will make sure that I, so I have an advisory council for my businesses um, of seven people. I make sure my advisory council knows. So for example, I have a goal for this year, for 2019, on how many business owners I'm going to reach this year. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to, you know, you're going to buy something from me or anything like that. Not at all. Not at all. But as you guys know, I create a lot of content, um, a lot of videos, things like that. I've got my books, all that good stuff. And so how many business owners am I going to reach this year? So I have a huge goal this year for that. I let my advisory council know. Um, I've let my close family and friends know. And the reason I do that, and, and some of you out there, you might be guilty of this on the other side, is you don't tell people your goals because you don't want to be held accountable. I'm the opposite. I want people that I interact with on a regular basis to know what those goals are. So that way, when I run into them or when I meet with them, I want them to ask me because that helps me stay motivated. Because think about it. If I'm meeting with someone on my advisory council and they ask me, hey, Ken, how are you at that goal and how many business owners you've reached? How are you so far this year? I don't want to have to tell them that I'm falling short of a goal, right? So I, I, that's, that's going to be embarrassing for me. So that's no good. So, but I want them to ask me. That's what helps keep me motivated. So I don't have to be embarrassed. I want to be the other way. I want to say, I'm kicking some ass. You know, here's where we're at. Um, and, and matter of fact, I'm going to increase the goal, which is, as a matter of fact, not to pat myself on the back, but that's what we did this year. I've increased the goal that I had, I, I, that we created back in January. I've increased it by 40% because I, things are going really well. And I don't, so I don't want to just be satisfied with the original goal. I continue to raise that bar. Um, Another thing I do uh, real quick, because I want to make sure I get through this last question, but is visualization. For me, it's big. So back um, when I competed in powerlifting, um, for those of you who don't know, um, I used to compete in powerlifting and was uh, had a pretty successful career doing those types of things. Well, my goal for my goal, my weight goal for the next competition, I would get it. I would print it out on index cards and I would put them everywhere. So I constantly remind reminded. So for example. The, the weight in kilograms would be in a three and a half by five index, three by five index card. It's on the mirror in, in front of my sink in, in our bathroom. So when I'm brushing my teeth, when I'm shaving every single day, every night, I see that and it makes me think of it. What have I done today to reach that goal? I would tape it to the, to my steering wheel. I put it in my office attached to my monitor in my office. I am constantly reminded of what that goal is and it, they're a constant reminder makes me think about what have I done today and every day, this hour, et cetera, to, to, to make sure I'm getting to that goal. And so, you know, for then I was, I had a very strict diet. So I'd go to lunch and I want to eat something maybe that's not so good for me. I see that. Gosh, I can't do it. Right. Constant reminder. That's big for me. Um, so hopefully those are some things that you can use to help you stay motivated as well. Uh, great question. Uh, Amanda, appreciate that. Uh, the last question, we've only got a couple of minutes left here, so I want to make sure, but this, uh, I've got a, a really cool one. I don't know if I've shared this before, but I think it's a very powerful thing. Um, Keystone Plumbing, um, sent this question in, uh, they're based in Georgia, uh, Atlanta, or not Atlanta, Georgia, but in Georgia here in the United States. Um, and their question is, um, along the lines, again, it's a long question, but basically they say, you know, you talk about hiring on loyalty, work ethic, and character. How do you judge work ethic in an interview? Again, considering they're a plumbing company, so I'll try to make it specific to that. Here's a trick I use is a, a one way you can do this, and I, uh, try it. 
when you set up interviews and they come into your office, between the door where they walk in, make sure that there is a piece of trash on the floor. It could be like a uh, gum wrapper or something like that, something simple. And there's a, a trash can near around. When they walk in, make it so they have to literally walk over the gum wrapper. There's no way they wouldn't see it, right? And there's a trash can that they can easily see. See, when they come in, do they pick up the wrapper and put it in the trash? Or do they just walk right over it? Now, you might say, well, geez, what the heck does that prove? Well, let me tell you one of the things I've found over the years. I've I've been using that. I don't use it in every single interview, but I've used that for many years. What I have found, and you can probably guess what I'm going to say, the people who walk over that that gum wrapper and don't put it in, they are they are the type of people that are that's not my job. Nah, I don't I don't need to do that. The people who bend over and pick it up, those people are solution people. They they were going to do what to, they need to do to help the company. They're going to go, hey, I'm a, my job is A, but I know someone who does B needs help. They're going to go help them instead of saying, oh, I got my job done. I'm just going to sit here. Of course, you don't want those people. It's an easy test. It's very simple. Um, but I'm telling you, it's very telling. Um, so feel free to use that one. Um, I, again, I've, I've found that it's very, very accurate prediction of people's work ethic um, and their attitude. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. So that is a way to measure work ethic in, a, in an interview. Uh, one of many, of course. So thanks again uh, to Keystone Plumbing for uh, that question. So I should mention these questions real quick. You can go out to mrbizprogram.com. Check out. We've got an online course out there that we talk about things like this that might be helpful. So thanks again for listening, guys. Thanks to our show sponsor, Capital Plus. Have a great week. And don't forget, cash flow is king. This has been B2B Radio with your host, Mr. Biz, sponsored by Capital Plus, a division of United Capital Funding Group. Capital Plus is your trusted resource for commercial financing and accounts receivable management. They have been providing working capital to businesses nationally for more than 27 years. Learn more about them at capplus.com forward slash Mr. Biz or to schedule a free consultation, call 855-522-3951.